Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Looks like we finally have something good to talk about in Atlanta sports. Um, yeah. It's hard to deal with somebody big, but, hey, at least you've got one team that at least looks like it's trying to do something to win. <laughs> yeah, we're going to get to all that good stuff here. We've got a variety of topics to get through. It's kind of been busy this week, so let's get right to it. Uh, we have our Final Four. We didn't get any of the uh, the craziness that, you know, of course, I was hoping for being an Ohio State fan. But – you know, for the most part, I think everybody looked good doing what they were supposed to do. Um, Stanford won, I think, was eliminated Ohio State anyway. But yeah, Florida's defense hung, kept them in the game, uh, and their special teams on the returns, not the, not the kicks. Uh, you know, kept them in the game. So I, I thought they showed a little better in the first half of Alabama than they did in the second half, uh, obviously. And Clemson, North Carolina was interesting as I thought it would be. But all the you know the favorites won, so we get a Clemson. Oklahoma matchup 1-4, and we get Alabama and Michigan State. And I think that really, for me, is that they wanted to make sure that they got a chance to get Alabama and Oklahoma <laughs> in the finals. So they moved them out of that 2-3 slot together. I really think that. I mean, you can say they jumped Michigan I might, State because I they might made agree with their drive. Yeah, you know, they had I, an epic drive, you know. But come on. Uh, and the weird thing, I don't know if you noticed, but um, Oklahoma's opening as the early 2 and a half on Clemson. Which I know, I didn't see kind that. Kind of doesn't wow. make much sense to me. Yeah, it doesn't make much sense to me. I mean, I know Oklahoma's much improved from that. I don't think they're, they're that much better. And playing Clemson is not the same as playing Baylor. And Deshaun Watson will be by far the best quarterback they have faced all season. Yeah, but I think I think conversely they may be on the same thing. I think Baker Mayfield may be the best quarterback that Clemson has seen. So, uh, yeah, who who's better? I'd have to see Mayfield some more, but 
Clemson did beat Deshaun Kaiser, who played very well this season. Uh, let's see, was it, it was still McGuire when they played a fourth state. I'd give Mayfield the edge over him. I don't trust Oklahoma mm-hmm. quarterback. I mean, Blake Bell was able to put up gigantic yardage, and Blake Bell's a garbage quarterback. <laughs> but the thing about it is so, that they do well in college, though. I mean, they suck. They never pan out in the NFL, but – you know, those, you know, uh, Heifel and White, I mean, they won for uh, for Oklahoma. So, yeah, no, I mean, they had their bumps, but they've also won some big games for Oklahoma. Oh, yeah, they played very well. I just, I don't, I think the gap between um, anybody that Oklahoma's played and Deshaun Watson is a bigger gap than Baker Mayfield than anybody that Clemson's played. And I think the, the overall aggressiveness of Clemson's defense is something Oklahoma hasn't seen in the Big 12. Yeah, now that I'll give you. that This will be the best defense they've seen. Uh, that, that Clemson defense, it, it flies around. And But I also saw them be successful with some big plays, uh, the South Carolina and also the North Carolina. So I think Oklahoma has a chance. Don't get me wrong. I, I mean, I think I think this is a pick em. I'm surprised they would put the four over the one in this early line. Uh, that, that really surprises me. I mean, I know Oklahoma's been playing well. but That's what irritates me is how are you going to have the four seed as – how are you going to have the four seed as a two-and-a-half favorite against your undefeated team? I mean, yeah, that, I, that blows my mind. I don't understand it. Uh, and then you got Bama yeah. opening as a nine-point favorite on MSU. Um, I don't know if they'll go that high. I think I could see yeah. Michigan State covering because D'Antonio is such a good coach. You're giving him a month to prepare. I think they play that game close, even though I do ultimately think Bama wins. I, I, I agree. And the reason why I don't think – is this has nine and a half? That's what I was like, eh. It's because of Connor Cook. Uh, and you give him another mm-hmm. month to get that shoulder healthier. And you've got a senior quarterback who's played in big games that won't be as rattled. He knows he's getting a ferocious defense. But I think in this month, they'll let his shoulder heal and to watch tape and get acclimated to what he thinks, uh, you know, Alabama's going to do. And let's not forget, how focused is Alabama going to be when your defensive coordinator is going to join one of your rivals in the SEC? And we all know it's all well and good. He's getting his shot, and he's his alma mater. But that's got to cause some level of distraction. You can do what you can say what you want about minimizing it, but when your defensive coordinator is now trying to be your defensive coordinator for the bowl game, for the semifinals, and get another program on track, he cannot give one his 100% attention. So that's got to be a distraction in itself. I don't think it's as big a distraction in the Michigan State game. or I, don't th- I think it's a distraction. I don't think it really matters as much in the Michigan State game. Uh, Michigan State – can't really throw the ball. They don't have the receivers, and Connor Cook is a bit overrated. Not nearly accurate enough to really pick apart this band of secondary. Uh, you'll you'll see it come into play more when they make it to the final. Uh, the semifinal, I think Bama will really just run on Michigan State. Michigan State has a good defense. Uh, they have a phenomenal defense, really, but mm-hmm. you can only hold back Derrick Henry for so long. And Calvin Ridley, you just saw Calvin Ridley torch Vernon Hargreaves on three separate plays. And Hargreaves is, I'll say, the best corner in this draft and the best corner to come out for at least the last two or three years, maybe since Patrick Peterson. And, and this is where I agree, but the, the part of it, I think that Michigan State can hang in there better, is that they, I still think Connor Cook was hurt. So I watched that game against Iowa when he wasn't accurate, but he can't get full zip on his ball. He got hurt, and he set out the Ohio State game, if you remember, and then he came back because he had to have it against Penn State. But I think this month helped him in that. And also – can they keep the ball long enough to where the defense doesn't wear down? I think a lot of times with Hargrove in that game is that Florida defense in the second half just got tired. There's, like you said, there's only so long you keep having this 
this batting ram hits you and you don't wear down. You have to have your offense give you some help, and I think that's what Michigan State can keep it a little closer than nine and a half. I can see it being a touchdown, you know, three to seven points, but I don't think it's going to be, you know, nine and a half, ten. So that's just me. Um, I just don't see them running so, on Bama. You're going to have yeah, a freshman running back, L.J. Scott. You're expecting him to go out there and run enough to where you can get some first downs and hold the ball a little bit. I just don't see it. They're going to have to change some things. They're going to have to spread it out. And I don't understand why people don't do that more than Alabama. If you put everybody in that box and let those big thumpers come downhill at you on the other side, you're going to be in trouble. You're going to have to put them out in space and make them account for it and make some of those bigger guys cover maybe some shiftier guys in space. I think that's your only only shot is to spread it out and let Connor Cook try to pull up, pick them apart. And, with, you know, you substitute the run with those quick, short passes in the screen game. You know, there are ways to kind of simulate runs without just – turning around and handing off. And I think Michigan State is going to have to do that and have success in doing that in order to keep Alabama off the heels to have a chance in this game. Yeah, it's. I just don't think it's going to be pretty. It may be close because I don't I don't think Bama will stress. If Bama has a lead going into late third quarter, I think they'll continue to take the air out of it. I don't think they want to put it in Coker's hands. I think if they can consistently run and just kill time, I think they'll basically do that because it's – when you're playing Michigan State, when Bama's playing that Michigan State team, they're basically playing a lesser version of themselves this year. That Oklahoma-Clemson yeah. game is going to be – I think that's going to be your big – kind of has your chance for an upset game, but that's going to be your, your real close game. What do you got for the line on points? I'm thinking I'm going to set the over-under at 70 combined points. For, for Clemson and Oklahoma, yeah, that's yeah. a good line. I, uh, ooh, that's tough. I mean – I'm going to go under, but slightly under. I can see – so that's basically a 35-35 game there. I can see a 35-28, 35-30 game, you know, almost to 70. We're not right there. But they're going to get a lot of people to take the over. That would be a good a good number there at 70. Uh, so who would you take? Um, and, you know, we'll just preview and then move on a little bit. So I, I, from what I got from listening to you is that you're going Clemson versus Alabama in the final. Who would you take? Clemson versus Bama in a final. I think that'll be a phenomenal game. Um, I think I would lean towards Bama only because the Clemson defense is susceptible to the run. They're quick, but they're small. And I think over the course of four, over the course of four quarters, just the gigantic just man children on Alabama's front seven offensively and defensively is just going to wear them down. I do think Deshaun Watson will have a chance late. I think it'll be an extremely tight game. Uh, but I think I would favor Bama, maybe by three. I might set it at three. Yeah, and I mean, right now with a game with two obviously good games like that, I'm going to look at the coach. And not that Dabo is a bad coach, but I mean, he's going against Nick Saban. Uh, so let's just put that out there. And and they have a better defense, so I'm going to go with the better coach and the better defense if I have to, you know, try to decide between two on a neutral site. So I, I'll go with you. I, I will go Alabama. I know that is going to. Make me a real popular guy here now. <laughs> so, you know that, that 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 hurts my soul to have to say that about the SEC. Um, but I, that's not the only good games coming. Uh, you know, I kind of want to look at some of the other ones, and then as we get closer to the games during the week of those games, we'll actually make a, a, a pick on them. But for me, and we text back and forth for the listeners during that. I just knew that Ohio State was going to the Rose Bowl the way they handled Michigan, and when Michigan State beat up on Penn State like that, and we knew we weren't going. I figured Ohio State, okay, they're not going to put the loser in that game over Ohio State to the Rose Bowl. And lo and behold, (laughs) we get an Iowa-Stanford Rose Bowl. Stanford, rightfully so. I'm shocked at the committee, but the guys at the Fiesta Bowl had to be doing backflips. To get a Notre Dame-Ohio State 
<laughs> Fiesta Bowl because the Rose Bowl passed yeah. on Ohio State, and you get two of the bigger mat, um, teams in the lore of college football in your in your in your bowl. I mean, they win. I, I think that's the third best game uh, of the of the bowl season. You should be happy. I'm going to be on Ohio State fan that day because I absolutely hate Notre Dame. I think they're an overrated squad. <laughs> I think they've been overrated since '88. I don't think that you're Notre Dame anymore. You shouldn't be in your own. Personally, I don't think Notre Dame should go to big bowls because you're not in the conference. I'm sorry. I that's agree. the way it is anymore. You're not special. You haven't done anything <laughs> to justify being special, blah, 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 all that good stuff. So I, I think Ohio State wins that game. Um, the way they're playing, if they, if they keep this run, if they keep the running attack where they're just spreading out and running JT a good bit and running as uh-huh. Unread with Z, I think they can win by 10, 10 or 14. I mean, Deshaun Kaiser is yeah. good, but – with uh, ProSize, I believe he's injured. He's nicked up again. I don't know if that Notre Dame team has enough to really, really compete with Ohio State. Yeah, and again, it's Ohio State playing against Ohio State. Uh, do we go back to not running Ezekiel Elliott and trying to be cute and try to outthink the other coach when they think we're going to run with Elliott, so we're going to do this? No, play your game and do what you're supposed to do with it. Um, and I'm looking at some of these other ones. I think Oklahoma State and Ole Miss is just going to be a track meet. Um, so I, the Sugar Bowl's got to be a little pleased with that. Um, and we t- talked about it before we got on air. Penn State and Georgia, that on noon is going to be – you're going to have to really be aggressive in the Penn State and Georgia programs <laughs> to want to watch ugly. that game. Yeah. The only good part of that uh, for me is going to be watching Leonard Floyd break through that line 14 times and chase down Christian Hackenberg a lot, even though I like Hackenberg. Mm-hmm. Uh, Penn State's line is just awful. And Georgia's quarterback uh-huh. situation is just awful, so it should uh-huh. uh, it should be another one of these thirteen to ten games. And I'll watch it, of course, but uh, I'm under no illusions that this is going to be a game. Really, I think the yeah, biggest thing got... is going to look at James Franklin, who I I love James Franklin as a coach. I, I know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I was going to say they're they're going to sit offensive football back about fifty years in that game. Um, but outside of the, you know, those, of course, for those for uh, us for local, but I think Oregon TCU is going to be another track meet. That's going to be entertaining to watch as well. Um, and there was one other one. North Carolina and Baylor is another, probably another shootout we're going to get. And then, you know, you're going to get some of those MAC games that are going to get out of hand for no reason because that's what happens. But just on the surface, those are the ones I'll be paying attention to. And a quick note, and I, don't, I hate that they do this, why would you put four lower-tier bowls on January the 2nd? after having the big ones on the first and then the championship game on the on the 11th. I mean, that's kind of like a letdown, don't you think? Like, I know Penn State and Georgia is playing, so you're going to watch it. But why would you not put those All before about that money. your big ones? Yeah, but we're All about that anyway, money. Though. I mean, as it is, you've yeah. got five and seven teams in bowl games. I mean, yeah. let's just be honest. This is a horrible year for bowls. I mean, bowl committees are probably kicking themselves. I mean, it's you've got teams yeah. that were horrible teams and have no business in a bowl and you've got some of these five and seven teams because they're in power five conferences or they're more names are getting into better bowls than lower tier teams who had better seasons. Like Texas is going to be in a better bowl game than say Georgia Southern, which is completely wrong. So anybody who's yeah. watched both of those knows Georgia Southern is a better team than Texas this year. No, I don't. I don't disagree with you. That was that was part of my whole thing with them taking uh, uh, Iowa over Ohio State. I said, "Wow!" Like, cause, like you said, it's about that Monday. So I, I was a little shocked at that. 
but yeah, but we'll revisit these. Like I said, as as we get on the weeks of the games, we'll actually you know go delve into the the rosters of those teams and uh, make some closer picks. I just want to at least hit on them since they just came out, you know, kid and candy store kind of thing. Um, so we got the housing ceremony on Saturday, and I'm I am a little blown away that the voting is so close that only three people got invited. Uh, McCaffrey, uh, Derek Henry, and the aforementioned Deshaun Watson we talked about during the, the Clemson piece. Um, I'm really I'm shocked, and I know I'm a bit of a homer, that Elliott and the quarterback Reynolds from Navy weren't closer in voting uh, to, to be, at least to be invited to New York. So, Because uh, I know at the end they reveal the, the voting percentages, and you don't want a guy sitting there that, you know, got 1% of the vote. But I, I'm a little amazed that, only, that it got down to three. Um, and I'm going to go with Derek Henry. I, I think he won this. Uh, against LSU, and he's not really slowed down. Um, McCaffrey's oh, a closer than we thought it was going to be, but I think it's Derrick Henry. Uh, what Henry do you think about that? Is he three? Uh, I'm a little shocked that Baker Mayfield didn't get invited, especially with the way that Oklahoma ended out the season and just the incredible run he went on. Uh, he had a yeah. fantastic season. But, I mean, I can't, I can't really say anything wrong. I mean, I couldn't – honestly, I couldn't find – I couldn't argue with any of the three if they win it. Uh, Deshaun Watson, it is it is turned into a quarterback award, and Deshaun Watson has been incredible. But McCaffrey broke Barry Sanders' all-time yardage, and mm-hmm. Henry broke Herschel Walker's rushing record. So, I mean, I think it's Henry because anytime you you pass a name like Herschel, and you're never going to catch me saying Henry's in Herschel's league because it's just not the case. But I mean, those, just being associated with those two names, I think those two are the front runners. And I, I think, it, I think you're right. I think McCaffrey will steal a good bit of the vote, but I still think it'll be Henry. Uh, I, I think, yeah. and I think it's, I think it's probably the right call. I mean, just you know, the things that he's done this season. Everybody knowing they're looking to hand him the ball, and just somebody that big with that breakaway speed in the secondary is just—it's incredible to watch. Yeah, absolutely, and, and it doesn't hurt uh, to do it in Alabama, but I would give it to him, his body of work. I mean, Caffrey jumped on the scene about four or five games in. You know, it's been Derrick Henry from the get-go, and I think a lot of people were skeptical about what Clemson was going to do or whether or not Watson was going to come back. Uh, so I don't think they eyed him enough. Uh, but it also looks like they just watched the games on Saturday and said, ooh, that guy's good, that guy's good, that guy's good. We've heard about <laughs> him. Let's just, let's just vote for them. I mean, those are the only, you know, the three front runners that were playing on Saturday when nobody else was playing, and they and they pulled away. And I, I really think that's what happened. Um, so, again, let's spend too much time on that. I think we both agree that Derrick Henry's going to win. Uh, I want to give you a couple seconds here um, because I want to talk a little bit about Kirby Smart um, and some other things behind it. What did you think of his press conference the other day? I mean, I, you're closer to the program than I am. Were you were you enthused about it? Did it get you fired up? Did you think, oh, my goodness, here we go again, we're in trouble? Uh, just want to get your thoughts on it. I thought he won the press conference game. I thought he had a good press conference. He was he was honest and he was open. Um, his point about not hiring an offensive coordinator right now, uh, it, may, it may throw some eyebrows up, but it's actually it's a, it's a smart move. You're coming in, the dead period for recruiting is about to hit, so you need to go and solidify those recruits again before you come in and just hire an OC. And it, it gives him time to make sure he gets the right one. Um, we've talked before, and for anybody who's just joining in and listening, I'm not an overly rah-rah fan. I'm a very realistic fan. Um, yeah. I think Kirby could be a very good hire, but I'm going to wait and see. Um, I don't go much into the press conference games. Otherwise, Rex Ryan would be the best coach in the NFL. <laughs> That's true. Um, there was one thing, and you didn't, and you didn't bring it up. And I was, I wanted to see if you were going to bring it up. 
that I heard Kirby say, and I feel like it puts them back in that same cycle of, you know, we're going to bring quarterbacks in here to play quarterback and not to run around, or something to that effect. And it still blows me away when we talked about it because you opened up my eyes. I didn't know that Marker was against the dual-threat quarterback as a design, not a your good quarterback who happens to be able to run, but a design to use your legs and your arms. And it sounds like you're getting the same thing with Kirby Smart, and I just wonder why limit yourself off the top when you have such a fertile ground of recruiting of guys who can do that, and you're watching the guy from your backyard do it, and it's a Heisman finalist. That's the only piece of it that I don't get from it. Other, other than that, I thought he had a good press conference. I didn't bring that up because as even though it sounded that way in the press conference, Kirby's not against uh, a spread in general. In fact, Kirby's throwing out ideas of he wants to use the pro style and the spread. He's he's one of these that he says he's going to tailor his offense to his quarterback skill set. Um, I don't know I don't know if he can honestly run a pro style and a spread, but it'll be interesting to see. I think he's just going to keep it more fluid. He's going to let his OC, whoever that is, really have more control. That's that's a, that, that's the only thing that I could that could nitpick with it because uh, you know we've had this conversation about it uh, on texting in person of why even why limit yourself when in. Uh, there's so many possibilities when you have that kind of talent in your own backyard and you let it get away to rival programs. Um, we got a little update on the coaching carousel. Uh, if you listened to us last week, we were talking about this with Kirby and left keeping his job. And right after we went off the air, uh, Mark Rick goes to Miami. And, and then this week, I believe that Muschamp is off to South Carolina uh, in, mm-hmm. in the big school names. Um, I, I like the Miami move for Mark Rick, I, like I said, I think he is a good fit for trying to get them back in. They need somebody that's going to run and clean the program. Um, he's not as rah-rah, but he loves that school. That's his alma mater, and I think they needed He's the right guy that kind of like Spurrier leaving Florida, going to South Carolina. A little dip down in job, but you were on the downward slope. You need to get revitalized. You go there, you put the school back on the map. I think it's a similar kind of situation with Mark Rick. Maybe not exactly the close. It's the best parallel I could come to. But Will Muschamp going to South Carolina when – I, all I needed to see was that Auburn, Alabama, Iron Bowl to know that guy can't be my head coach <laughs> acting like that. I mean, you just can't act like that. And it led me to a further question of, you know, not to get up on a super tangent, but where are some of the, you know, African-American and Hispanic assistant coaches where, you know, the NFL had the Rooney rule, where you at least give them a shot to interview. It doesn't even feel like they're part of the process. And we're getting down to the point of, Retreads getting jobs. You know, Lane Kiff is going to get a job probably after this year or two years when another one opens up. And it's like, how do we keep going through the same process with the same guys and not give anybody else a chance? Because I feel like I've seen what Will Muschamp is going to do, and I fully expected him to do the same thing in South Carolina that he did in Florida, and people are going to make excuses for him saying, oh, well, you know, South Carolina was never going to get a job anyway. He's got to go get Dabo Swinney. Like, he's already got the built-in excuses for him to fail that I know they're going to go to. So that piece of it for the South Carolina piece, kind of, you know, weighs on me. I, I don't know why we don't give other guys a shot. Yeah, the South Carolina one, that did surprise me. And I kind of went into it with an open mind thinking, well, maybe the second time around will be okay until he had the exact same press conference as he had at Florida. <laughs> almost almost worked for- <laughs> uh, Honestly, I was shocked that it, South, that it wasn't Lane Kiffin going to South Carolina. I would have thought mm-hmm. that if any, South Carolina would have gone for the offensive coach. Um I think there's just not many coaches right now that are set up to really be head coaches in this league. I think most of most of the fantastic assistants have already gotten their jobs. There's a lot of great coaches who are in 
a first or second year who have just taken pay raises like Tom Herman. And South Carolina tried to get Herman, and he said, no, thank you. Uh, they tried to get the offensive coordinator from UCF, <laughs> who then got a pay raise and was like, ah, no, thank you. Uh, it's it's just how it goes. I, I agree. I don't think Muschamp's going to do fantastic at South Carolina, but he's not going to have to. As long as he has to, all he has to do is be respectable, and I think that's a win for them. Uh, your Mark Rick point is a good one, uh, and Rick is the perfect coach for Miami because Rick is the perfect coach to rebuild your program. Uh, he's mm-hmm. not going to bring you over the hump and take you to national championship levels, but he is the perfect type of coach to rebuild a program and get it started. Think of him almost like a Tony Dungy type, where he's going to come – all the Tony's a much better coach. I'm not going to even argue that. But um, Rick is good. He'll bring in a different culture. Um, he'll he'll kick some of those boosters that kept getting people in trouble. He'll kick them to the curb. And um, mm-hmm. I, think he, I think you're going to see that Miami team turn around and be at least respectable in the ACC. I mean, they don't have to go far in the ACC to be respectable. He's got a fantastic quarterback in place. All he really has mm-hmm. to do is get uh, – he's got to get another running back in. It's just recruiting people that he's been good at recruiting at Georgia, and he's in a hotbed in town in Miami. So I think you'll see Miami turn around and start being one of those 9-3, uh, 8-4 teams here fairly soon. Yeah, so he's saying if he can get you to the to the middle, to the top of the hump, just not get over it. <laughs> but that's what they need right now is they they got to get out the weeds and get to at least get it at least be able to see the hump, right? Because they're not even close to that. So he's got a lot more to do than thirty thousand people in the stadium. Yeah, exactly. But you know, it's always been tough in Miami getting them to get out the mirror and off the beach and into support the teams. Um, yeah. It's gonna be interesting how he deals with Luther Campbell because he's a big part of that right now. Um, <laughs> It's just it is what it is, and, and I don't think Mark Rick's a big two live two live crew fan. It doesn't look like it, so um, we'll see. I think that's going to be interesting to find out. Um, another week, another loss, another ugly loss by the Falcons. They now lost to the rookie quarterback twice, and not only did they lost to him twice, he now has one of the iconic plays of this season oh my goodness. on a on that run. I mean. The Falcons just stopped moving. Like they just, yeah. they just stood there. I, I, there are no more words or adjectives. I think outside of just bad, ugly football to get to 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 put on that. I look when you have Julio out there. I mean, at some point you got you got the force him and Devontae as well. But they just they look like they just met. You know, like oh, you yeah. signed your contract yesterday. I got my contract uh, three days ago. Nice to meet oh, you. Hey, like you they've never here? been in practice, right? Like where's your locker? Like they don't, they have, they don't really have a lot of chemistry. It seems like out there, and it just seems like they're thrown together to see what's going to stick against the wall, like who's going to fail and who's going to succeed to be here next year. And I, it, it's just hard to watch. I'm gonna be honest with you, I don't watch the Falcons. Well, this is more this anymore. This is more the Falcons that you should have expected coming into the year. Like I've told mm-hmm. week after week after week, that 5-0 and start got people crazy and got the expectations way too high. They were never that good of a team. They still have just massive holes, just talent holes all over the field. So in a way, I'm kind of glad they're losing. I'd rather I'd rather you lose and get better draft pick than be mediocre, to tell you the truth. Uh, and even if they were to sneak into the playoffs, it would have been nothing but a first-round exit anyway. So as far as I'm concerned, they're just setting up better draft position right now. And I kind of find it to be – almost karma for the way people have just been all over Dan Quinn for saying the exact same things that Mike Smith was saying. 
I mean, it's, that's that's yeah. one of the things that's driven me crazy. I mean, they're they're talking about how oh, the message is so much like he's so more like such better like no, he's saying the exact same things that you were railing on Mike Smith for saying. People are finally seeing that Shanahan is just an egomaniacal, just for lack of a better word, douche. I mean, that's just yeah. what happened. So I think Shanahan's yeah. gone team the year, hopefully, and um, I think they're going to have to take a developmental arm because you're you're starting to see what's going to start happening with Matt. And um, as we get closer mm-hmm. to it, and I get to go back into my mocks again, and I'll, I'll break down. I may have a surprising name for you. Oh, you know they're going to fail for Cardale. Um, Not but, Cardale. But yeah, but but you had no, I know I was just messing with you. <laughs> but you knew that was going to be an issue when with the kind of system that he runs that it wasn't going to really go with what Matt is used to. You you brought him in there to shock the system because you didn't like what was happening under Mike Smith. So I'm going to go and shock the system and bring another thing and then get mad. Like, this is what you prepared yourself for. What did you want to see if he could go seamlessly from one thing he had run all his time to a, to another one that, that's this different and you're not giving him the hurry up and nothing to – I mean, I just I, – I don't know what else they were thinking was going to happen. You're right, the talent level has never been to where it should be, and and they're still feeling the effects of giving up those those ticks. Um, outside of that, real quick, real quick, had, before we move hit. on, yeah, yeah, go ahead. real quick, uh, just just an indictment on how horrible their front office has been. Uh, you realize mm-hmm. now that there are three players, two maybe it's two or three, I believe it's three players left from the entirety of the 2010, 2011, and 2012 drafts. There are three yeah. players left on the Falcons roster. Do you know how astronomically bad that is? You are in I a do. realm That's with Cleveland. <laughs> you are in a realm with Cleveland draft pick-wise. The Jaguars are ahead of you. The Titans are ahead of you as far as drafting. And that is purely coaching and front office. No, a and and we talked about it before that Dan Quinn is going to take over. Dimitrov, they just didn't want to put him out there publicly, but he he's going to pick him players, and it's going to be on Quinn. He's going to he's going to have the whole show like like Pete Carroll has in Seattle. I think that was always supposed to be the goal, but it's just a step process that's not to make Dimitrov look bad. So I don't. He knows who the dead bodies are. He's got the naked pictures. They trying to make sure that he goes down smoothly, so it's not the upset apple cart. So we'll see, right? Let's hope so. Uh, yeah, running out of time. Of course, we need to go quick because we got to touch on some baseball today. Yeah, absolutely. I just wanted a, a quick discussion because uh, there's only four games left. So, uh, with the injuries, New England, Cincinnati, Denver, all ten and two in the AFC with four games left. Uh, in my opinion, I I hate to say it, but I think it's going to be Denver and New England because Denver has to play Pittsburgh and Cincinnati. Cincinnati has to play Pittsburgh, uh, Pittsburgh and Denver as well. And New England is sitting there playing, you know, n- nobody. I, I mean, outside of the Houston, I think they're going to win it. Um, uh, at least get it to one of those seasons, and then probably Denver. Um, yes, wanted to get to the – sorry, who do you think? Do you disagree? I do. I think it's going to be Cincy, Denver, New England. I don't – I think losing Gronk is such a huge loss, especially when you pair it with Edelman being hurt. There's just nobody mm-hmm. on that roster. Brady to throw to you right now, and I, th- I think that's going to be a big part of the problem. You saw it when they played Philadelphia. There was just nobody getting separation, and nobody could catch the ball. 
Yeah, but also in that Philadelphia game, like you said, they had some crazy things happening that normally happen to them. How often does he throw a 99-yard interception for a touchdown? How often <laughs> does he give up a return touchdown? I mean, you know, like they had a, a – and, I, you know, I just like the Patriots, but they had a confluence of bad events happen to them in one game. And, you know, not even during the first, during the first part of the game, through two, three quarters, um, that doesn't normally happen. I mean, I'm generally going to go until, like I said, like Rick first says, in order to beat the man, beat the man, you got to beat the man. And until somebody knocks them off, and it looks impressive to give everybody a blueprint of how to do it. You kind of have to get on the benefit of the doubt. Um, I'm going to kick this off to you because I didn't know anybody that liked baseball more than I did until I met Dylan. So the hot <laughs> stove, the winter meetings are, are, are really heating up. I'm going to let you go ahead and have first crack at this because um, your deal actually went through, and I think you got the better end of it. But, you know, talk about that Miller <laughs> deal and some of the <laughs> – Talk about that Miller deal and some of the other ones that, that have come through the past week or so that have kind of caught your eye. Well, news broke late last night about the Braves trading Shelby Miller to the Diamondbacks. It got confirmed at about 9 this morning. Uh, this was a deal that had been in the works. If you hadn't been following around, the Braves had been trying, like, that creepy guy who asks out the same girl in high school 14 times until she says <laughs> yes. they have been going after A.J. Pollock every day, everything they could think of until the Diamondbacks finally said no. So the Braves settled and got really they got they got a good haul for Shelby, especially because my my feeling is and we've talked about this before. Pitchers who have career years under McDowell, his first year with the pitcher is always the best because he teaches them a sinker. It's not part of their repertoire, so batters aren't used to seeing it. As they start seeing it more, McDowell relies way too much on the sinker, and it starts to get hit more. Just as you kind of saw, Shelby's second half of the season was nowhere near as good as his first regardless of the fact that his ERA was very good and he didn't have many wins because the team couldn't hit. Um, Mm -hmm. So what you got for it, you got the number one draft pick this year, um, Dansby Swanson. Very, very good player. He's actually from Marietta High School, played at Vanderbilt, which anybody who knows anything about college baseball knows Vanderbilt is the tip-top. Vanderbilt is as good as it gets baseball. And Swanson is one of these guys who looks like he can be a franchise player. Very soft hands, slick glove. He's quick. He's not blazing fast, but he's quick. He's got a great – and his his approach at the plate really is what scouts just drool over. He has a very, very good approach. He can play either second or short, depending on how they want to do with Ozzie Albies. Um, They're a young 19-year-old they have in the minors. Uh, One of those will play second. One of those will play short. So you've got your middle infield locked up. Um, He is very raw, though. So it's probably going to take him two, three years to get up there. So anybody telling you that he's going to be up – in 2016, they're out of their mind. Uh, not happen. He just played in single A, high A. There's no way he's jumping from high A straight to the majors. Not going to happen. No. Uh, anybody comparing him with Chipper Jones because they're both number one picks. Again, stupid comparison. Not even close. Uh, Chipper, one, was straight out of high school and was an all-consensus number one to the point where nobody else was in the discussion. Uh, the pitcher they got, they got Aaron Blair, who was a uh, he was also a first round pick a couple years ago for um, for Arizona. He's a good pitcher, um, probably pans out as a middle of the rotation type of guy, low nineties fastball. Uh, he he can he can ramp it up into the mid nineties, but it's usually around ninety one. Got a decent changeup, decent curveball, um, but his changeup is better than his curve, which is something you don't usually see in young pitchers, and that's good. Um, the only problem with that is uh, his strikeout numbers dipped fairly alarmingly. 
when he moved up from double A AA to triple A. Uh he he dropped by about um at the rate of about twenty strikeouts, which is which is a fairly high number for somebody like that who comes in thinking it's a power arm. Um if I had to compare him, he kind of profiles like Ryan Wheeler does. Um okay. gets a lot of ground ball outs. So he, he's a decent guy. I don't know if you see him stay with the Braves or not. He may end up getting dealt. Uh it wouldn't shock me either way. Uh, he will be ready at some point this year. He pitched in AAA about half the season last year, so you, you will see him come up at some point this season. And that leads me to their major league help, because unlike any other trade, the Braves actually got some major league help. Uh, and they got Ender Enciarte. He played left field last year. Um, really, he kind of played everywhere. He's kind of a jack-of-all-trades. He can play any outfield position. Here in Atlanta, he's going to be the center fielder. Um, he's a good hitter. Bet is 300 last year. No power to speak of. Had six home runs in Arizona. Uh, not a real RBI guy, but he he is a leadoff hitter, which is good. He's quick, not fast, but he runs good bases. Dole 21 last year, and the Braves will give him a little bit more opportunity. That was my only problem with this deal, and it's not that I don't like Ender Enciarte. I think he's a really good piece. I just don't think he fits what the Braves particularly needed. The Braves have a lot of contact hitters, have a lot of top-of-the-rotation type guys. The problem is they don't have anybody to drive these guys in. And while I do think the Braves came out better in this deal, I still would have liked to have seen them get at least, you know, I know A.J. Pollock's untouchable. I would have liked to see them get Yasmani Tomas instead, just for the simple fact that Tomas is able to drive in more runs, especially because Enciarte and Malik Smith profiles almost the same player. Malik Smith is just faster. But it could it could very well work out, and uh, there's not much I can say that's wrong with it. Luckily for you, uh, luckily or unluckily, it's going to sound horrible, but uh, what the incident with uh, with Araldis may not be the best thing that could happen because that deal may go through. Yeah, you know, I was I was trying to I, I was trying to save some of that for for, for my rant here in a second, um, so I'm going to come back to that. Uh, but just some of the ones I, I I looked at and found interesting that uh, the Cardinals trained John Jay to San Diego. Um, I think it's a, a solid pickup for San Diego. Uh, the Cubs, I don't quite. Yeah, uh, the Cubs signed Zobris for trading Charlotte Castro to New York. Uh, so they traded away the younger player for an older guy who's, you know, I think Zobris is good, but I know that, that also hurts the Mets because they were really in on Zobris. I don't know if I made Zobris that trade. Zobris is fantastic. Though. Zobris is fantastic and can play anywhere you need him on the field. That is that is one of the more underrated signings you'll see this off season. Yeah, yeah, clearly, because everybody was in on him uh, to the point that New York is uh, going back to, to Daniel Murphy um, are looking to trade for Neil Walker from the, from the Pirates. So I thought that was uh, interesting because uh, it affects the Braves as well. Um, and, and Quato, and I'm wondering, you know, Cincinnati's just on a pure fire cell, but, you know, he turned down six years, 120 from Arizona. I don't know if he's going to get much more from anybody else, but that's not too much more than what the Reds gave to Homer Bailey. So I'm saying if you're Cincinnati – you never thought that you would, his market was so that low if that's what it ends up being. I, why not get back involved in the Cueto talks? I mean, you can't give him the same deal that you gave Homer Belly. We can't be that broke. Um, I, 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 I don't think it would make sense. sense. I don't think it would make sense. I know you want your Reds to come out of the hole, but with them selling off everybody, by the way, Todd Frazier's available, sorry to tell you. Yeah, um, I saw. <laughs> it, would make no, it would make no sense for them to go out and get a big-name free agent. I think you're going to see them kind of do what the Braves have been doing. And it could be like you've been saying all along, the Jockey's a Cardinals plant. Man, listen. Okay. So <laughs> I'm just gonna go into mine 
And then I'm going to give you. I'm only going to go for thirty seconds. I'm going to give you, give me at least some meat on that bone for you. I don't understand what's happening in Cincinnati. We are one of the. We are the oldest baseball franchise. They are selling off this team piece by piece, and not getting more than you know a dozen Krispy Kreme donuts and a and an almond joy bar back from for Rogers Chapman. They haven't even named the prospects, but none of them were named. You know, Jock Peterson or Corey Seager. Are your ass, and then we have another package out there from the Astros that sounded much better than what was being offered in the Dodger deal. So I really would like to know: Is Walt Jockley a plant? Now let's not put this past <laughs> St. Louis. They 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 bugged. I mean, they broke into the database in Houston, so they have a little cheating in their background, in their recent background. I, I I wish I had more time to rant on it, but I don't understand why we're throwing everybody off. You're selling off the face of the All-Star game last year. You can't get rid of Joey Bollock because nobody wants his contract. Nobody wants Jay Bruce because if he couldn't hit more than 260 at Great American Park, then what's he going to do anywhere else? Brandon Phillips has a no trade. What exactly is the plan? Do we have one? Are we going to keep putting rookie pitchers out here? I don't know. That's that's just my own rant. I'm sorry. I feel better now. I had to get that off my chest. I'm I'm, I'm going to leave you some time. You, you, you do it and end the show for us, man. I can't see anything to disagree with you there. I was completely shocked when they were talking and they had it written all the way through with Araldis and you weren't getting Jock Peterson, Urias, or Corey Seager. And I, I was just asking, what kind of pictures did they have of Jockety sitting there yeah. ready to go? Um, I guess my rant, I'll kind of go off the wall a little bit. And um, I'm going to leave the Alex Gordon talk for next week. Okay. Because you know i got to get them in there. Uh, I'm going to go back to UFC. I've done this once before, uh, talking about Ronda Rousey. Lo and behold, I'm going to talk about it again. Not for the same reason. It's not Ronda this time. It's Dana White. And the way he has treated Holly Holm since she knocked Rousey clear in the next week, it's just been disgraceful. I've never seen a promoter do what he's done to his champion. He hasn't acknowledged Holly as a champion. He He almost cried when he was given the backstage interview, um, he never said congratulations to Holly. Uh, as is now, he UFC management, which is Dana White and Lorenzo Fertitta, but mostly Dana White, um, has gone to Holly Holmes' reps and said they want an immediate rematch with Ronda. Ronda will not be ready for at least eight months, more likely a year, because all of her teeth were loosened by that thunderous kick. It's just mm-hmm. unbelievable that you're gonna you're going to shelve a champ for eight months because you want Ronda to have the belt back. And all what they're hoping to do, and I can guarantee you this is going through their minds, is they're hoping Holly is rusty when they fight again so that Ronda has a better chance to take that belt back and they can act like it was a fluke victory. I have never seen a promoter do this. It is completely unprofessional, and it just shows everybody why Dana White is such a douchebag, for lack of a better term. It's just <laughs> unbelievable. I mean... It's, you're you're not supposed to be biased as a promoter. I mean, we're talking about the same guy that gave an interim championship to Conor McGregor because Jose Aldo was out a month. That's ridiculous, and that was ridiculous on its own. But UFC 194 is coming up um, this weekend, I believe, the 12th. And for everybody out there who's falling in love with the trash-talking Irishman, I cannot wait to see your faces when Jose knocks him clear into next week. And it's going to be one of the greatest things I've ever seen. And, Jaquan, I will be texting you through it all. All right, that's good stuff. But the one thing about the Dana White thing I want to throw in there, maybe they're just trying to set up the trilogy because you know that if Ronda wins, they're going to have to fight a third fight. They're going to have to. 
Uh, if Ronda wins, yeah. do not see her and Holly Holm fight again. Oh, okay. We'll see. That's a lot of money to leave on the table. Um, I will be in Charlotte this weekend. I'm going to try to get into the game for a reasonable price, but Charlotte is really tripping right now about the Panthers <laughs> being undefeated. So I may just go ahead and out and tailgate and watch it on TV, but I will be in Charlotte. So, uh, But let me know about that UFC fight. Um, have a great weekend, bro. Um, I'll probably text you when the, the Hasbro Trophy ceremony is going on uh, after the inevitable happens, but we still got to talk about it. Um, Sounds thank good. you, everybody. For All me. you guys out Yep. Everybody out there, have a great week. We'll catch you next week. Give it about 20 minutes, and it should be up online. Um, If you got any comments, concerns, message us. Let us know, and we'll talk about it next week. Yes, sir. Have a good weekend, bro. See you. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.